One thing I want to lead off by saying is that when we last came to you uh, the week before last, we promised uh, our next guest would be Sheriff Tracy Carter. Uh, Sheriff Carter had to reschedule. Uh, we're hoping to have him on as a guest next week to talk about his decision to not seek a fifth term. We've all learned a very, very valuable lesson, though, about announcing things in advance. I will never again make that mistake. And on that note, uh, today's podcast is about a big announcement about a thing <laughs> happening in advance. I'm excited about uh, this episode, though, and I've been excited about this since I first uh, heard about it. But the Carolina Indie Fest is a new music festival that will be held in September right here in downtown Sanford. Um, now, now, Gordon, let, let me let me say something. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. I'm really excited about. I'm really excited about this. Uh, yeah, the we'll have talking. You know, you, you did the story for this month's edition of the rant, um, which is out now. Um, reading that and seeing just you know the first phase of the bands that they announced, I, I was pretty on board with it, but kind of skeptical. But but you can't help after talking to Jeff Popka, who's um, who, along with Tim Emmert, is, is our guest today. You can't help but after talking to Jeff to be excited about this and and to think that, hey, you know, this this thing is probably going to happen. Of course, it's all um, depending on, you know, where we're at as a country, I guess, pandemic wise in September. Go get your but, COVID vaccine. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if 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 live music has returned by then then looks like this is going to happen and and i gotta say his enthusiasm um for it makes me feel like you know this thing's not only going to happen but uh there's some real potential here for a for a pretty strong event yeah 36 bands at least um and this is a a genre spanning event we're told there will be something for everyone um and uh, three stages, um, plus sort of open mic stages. He called them busker stages. Yeah. Um, so, and we we bring this up to them, and I won't give away everything we talk about, but to me, um, obviously, obviously, this is going to need community support. You're going to need um, a lot of uh, local people attending this thing for it to be a success. But in order for this to really be a success and for it to exceed you know, whatever expectations, it's going to need to draw people to Sanford. And I feel like, Gordon, you know, unintentionally, the theme of our publication and the theme of our podcast over the last few months has been all about bringing people to Sanford, whether it's through housing, whether it's through apartments we talk about this month. Um, We had the Tourism Authority on here a couple weeks ago. Um, it, It feels like, you know, it's this perfect storm happening of of new people coming to Sanford, whether they're living here, whether they're visiting and, uh, and that maybe this event is happening at the perfect time. Yeah. Well, I think that going back to when we first began uh, a printed edition, one of the things that we said was that Sanford really was changing and you know, COVID maybe put a somewhat of a pause on that, but I don't think it's going to stop it. And, um, but even our, the existence of our publication, I think is, is at least part of the change or it's, it's at the right time. It's, you know, we're able to document these things and we're happy to document these things. And this is just another, another good example of cool stuff that's happening here. I was just telling some friends who live out of town now, that we had interviewed the promoter for this event. I was like, you know, these are sentences I never thought I would type 36, at least 36, you know, (laughs) professional 
working musicians or groups are going to be playing in downtown Sanford. That's just, I wouldn't have thought. Take that Shelbyville. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's it's great, but yeah, so stick around for uh, coming up in just a few minutes. Um, uh, Tim and Jeff talk about the Carolina Indie Fest, which is, uh, um, you know, if you were here for the downtown events uh, um, that coincided with uh, the downtown Sanford celebration and the fireworks and they had some really good um, musical acts come through here for those. Um, those events kind of gave me a taste of what, you know, you know, what could happen here. And uh, um, hopefully this is uh, this, you know, there's nothing I'd like more than in September to be walking around and just looking around, seeing a ton of people and hearing music on every corner and thinking um, there's no way in hell this would have happened 10 years ago. No. So, so, yeah. It's pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. And they promised us a booth. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna we're going to have a rant booth. So, um, Gordon will bring his electric guitar and a little, and a little amp, and he'll play your your requests. <laughs> I, I will not. I cannot. I cannot um, play your requests unless you focus on a very narrow range of mildly talented punk rock songwriters from unless, mid to late nineties. Unless you want just the rhythm parts of some <laughs> punk rock songs. Right. We'll be there. Or, or do you? We'll have a booth. Do you play more than rhythm? Well, I mean, I've played lead guitar, but it's not what you would call um, with, with any skill. Okay. Um, but we will have a booth so you can come, you know, say it to our face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that, that's uh, that's my dream when we started the rant was I want to have a rant booth at a independent music festival and it looks like it's going to happen. <laughs> right. We can shut it down after <laughs> September. <laughs> yeah. So our guests this week are uh, Tim Emmert of Hugger Mugger Brewing and Jeff Popka of Indie On Air Records. And these are two of the guys who are going to bring us the Carolina Indie Fest in September. Um, What can you guys tell us about this event and how it got started? Well, Tim, do you want to take that? Because you're the Um, guy that kind of came to us. I think where uh, where we started was with um, a conversation. uh that uh that we had oh gosh i'm trying to think of um um how long ago it was but anyway it was was with cliff wheeler and cliff kind of walked over our our property because he's played he's played a hugger mugger uh, a few times um and you know cliff's cliff's done a lot of traveling he's seen a lot of places he made a lot of nice recommendations for us on on how we could improve our experience with live music um, and we're really grateful that he shares his experience with that, with us. Um, part of the conversation was more or less, you know, how, you know, how can we build this thing here? Because uh, it, it feels like, you know, sometimes we get a um, pretty good crowd for live music, but it also feels like, you know, the, the band comes and sets up, plays a few songs and about, you know, half of new customers come in, half of the customers we have leave. And how do we, you know, I, I understand that it's, you know, musical styles are not for everyone, but how do we build this thing? How do we make it more than just, you know, one band at a time, hit or miss kind of thing? And he's like, and I said, you know, maybe we really should be doing a few bands at a go and doing an afternoon of music. And, and then people can kind of wander in and wander out as, as they like and kind of get to know things. And that would be my favorite thing anyway, if, if, if a brewery had an afternoon of, of live music um, into the evening, I don't think I'd, I'd have a better day in front of me. That'd, that'd be exactly what I'd want to do. And, and Cliff said, well, that's that's possible. I know a guy. And, you know, that's kind of how we ended up um, meet, meeting up with Jeff. I didn't I didn't realize these 
these sort of things were even possible. And then um, Jeff's done so many kind of interesting things and, and uh, has much, much bigger than we have planned for, for this. Um, and once, um, you know, we, we kind of has, we, we knew this thing could take off. Sort of how it, it came about, you know, tip of the hat to Cliff Wheeler for um, being the first mover on this thing. Okay, and, and just to clarify, this is, you, you've told me at least 36 acts over two days in downtown Sanford. Jeff, can you talk a little bit about... Um, Did I get that right, Jeff? <laughs> that's, uh, if uh, 36 is my target, okay. and I'll tell you it'll be a minimum. Okay. Uh, I have a habit of driving uh, my production crew crazy <laughs> because I always like to add more people. So... I'm the kind of guy that, you know, if, if we're putting on something, I want the best show that we can get. And when I find artists that are exceptional, uh, I want to give them the opportunity to play. I want to, you know, I want to bring them in. So if you talk to my executive producer, Richard Bedell from Fish Creek Radio, he would tell you that if Jeff says 36, there's probably going to be 40 or 42 or, you know, but we'll stick with 36 for now. Well, I just I wanted to uh, back up, and you gave me a little a good opportunity to do that. You you have experience doing this. This isn't your first uh, oh, yeah. your first music festival. Talk about some of the things that you've done and and what these events have looked like in other places, so that people here can get a sense of what to expect in September. Absolutely. Uh, well, we've been in we've been going to South by Southwest uh, for ten years. Uh, twenty twenty would have been our tenth year. At South by Southwest, we do an event there, which is our signature event called Texas Indie Fest. And it's multiple bands over multiple days at multiple venues. Uh, we had, for 2020, for our 10 year celebration, we had three venues, uh, one right on 6th Street in the middle of all the action. If anybody's been to South by Southwest, you know what I'm talking about. If not, you know, that's what we're gonna bring you. We're gonna bring you that Austin flavor during South by where it's showcase style, uh, multiple genres, there's something for everybody. There's just multiple stuff going on. Uh, and the acts are gonna be acts that are South by Southwest quality. Uh, we bring them in from all over the country. It's either artists that I've worked with before or artists that, uh, that I know because we do so many different things in the music business. Uh, Cliff Wheeler, in fact, was a Texas Indie Fest artist. Uh, that's how we met directly. And uh, when I flew out to, to check uh, Sanford out, uh, Cliff, we ended up signing Cliff to our record label. So uh, awesome. it was kind of twofold for us to go there. And, you know, and then Sanford was just so appealing. I think it, the way it's where it sits close to Raleigh and Durham, we can establish Indie Fest in Carolina just like we did in Texas Indie Fest. And it, it's organically grown over the years. Uh, now in Austin, uh, we don't typically use headliners. It's just all independent bands. But in Sanford, we will be using headliners. And we've done that in Colorado Springs. In Colorado Springs uh, 2019, we had uh, the Dolly Rats headline along with uh, the Unlikely Candidates. So it it gets people's attention. It'll draw people in just by having the headliner and then we'll get the experience, uh, just the, the excellent, the excellent quality. Our events, we get over 3000 submissions for, and wow. I listen to them all the time. I, I run a campaign through reverb nation. Uh, the reach is over a million. Uh, we, I screen music for radio, for festivals. I screen about 10,000 new bands every year. Wow. So, Headphones are my friend. Yeah. They're attached yeah. to me. Now, I've done bigger shows uh, like with Hank Williams Jr., uh, uh, Jackal, uh, the Smithereens, the Bodines back in the early oh, wow. 2000s. Yeah, I kind of learned from the, the large, larger shows from the ground up. I ran a mid-level mid venue in the Chicago area. Okay. So I got to see that and I got to watch different promoters come in. That's how I learned the business. Uh, and then I just started doing regional shows myself. And then it just, it just kept growing, you know, and it all started with a radio station called Indie on Air, you know, uh, which is kind of funny because 
right now we don't have a I don't have a direct radio station like that although we partner with other ones mm-hmm. um, but we are going to launch indie on air radio because we figured we might as well you know why not but it started from that that's where I made all these connections in the business having uh, industry uh, professionals on and then we decided to meet in Austin during South by since it's the largest independent fest, uh, festival in the world and everything just snowballed from that. And now we have these vast connections all over the country. How's this, uh, how's this going to look in Sanford? We've had a few downtown music um, day long festivals in the last couple of years. And of course uh, COVID looms over all this. And, and I'll ask about that as well, but that aside, say, say this does happen in September and, and, uh, um, and, uh, and everything goes the way you hoped it would be. What, what is this going to look like? You said it's going to be a two-day festival. Where's it going to be held? Um, how, how do you imagine, Tim and Jeff, how do you imagine this going? For um, What will the experience be for someone who comes to Sanford to, to catch this? I'm going to say it's, it's, it's going to be a strong music feel because not only are we have three stages. We have a main stage, uh, which is going to be out in the streets somewhere. We're going to do a final uh, walkthrough in March, hopefully COVID uh, allowing us to do that. But uh, then we'll have the final determination of exactly where the main stage will be, but it'll be on a couple city streets. Uh, Then there's going to be the elevated stage, which is going to serve as the beer garden, which is near Hugger Mugger. Um, I call it an elevated platform. It's a parking lot. Uh, If you, if, You've probably been there. You probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, that general area is going to be uh, the secondary stage. And then we're going to have the indoor stage, which is uh, acoustic singer songwriter type thing or acoustic duos, things like that. Uh, there's also going to be something that I included called busker stages. If you know what busking is, oh, yeah. it's where artists go out in the street and play. They just get up and play and people tip them or whatever. But we're going to have three platforms for People in the community want to bring their guitar and get up and sing a couple songs. There you go. Get involved. It, there's going to be music everywhere. There's there's going to be art involved. There's food trucks. There's uh, local vendors. Uh, it's it's going to be two days of a lot of things going on. I think we'll have some surprises as, as to what we bring with us. Uh, so it's going to be an entertaining two days with something for everybody. If you don't like the sound at one stage, go to another. You know, so there you go. And this is happening in September, and uh, which, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen between now and September? But um, for, you know, for the sake of this podcast, let's assume that we're still under mask mandates or we're still under, um, you know, gathering mandates or whatever. Uh, um, Does this happen unless? Uh, things dramatically change, or does this happen if uh, um, if we're currently, you know, we're trending toward getting better, but let's say by September we're not there yet. Does, it, does an event like this still happen? It gets pushed. If that was the case, it would get pushed to spring of 22. We already have, uh, we have alternate dates for that. Uh, we really foresee it happening at back to normal. Uh, Industry-wide, the big boys like Live Nation and all that, they see summer as being open for uh, for large con- concerts. We kind of follow their lead when they start making decisions like that. We know it's pretty safe to follow. And uh, so anything that we're doing, we're typically doing events year-round. We're not planning anything until July and later. Uh, just so we don't get into that situation where we have to push. But if we do, I mean, that's that's where we're at. And whatever, if there's still requirements in place, if we push to spring, if there was still, we'll comply with whatever requirements that, that need to happen. We yeah. just have to be flexible. Yeah, at the beginning of the year, I thought it was a no-go. There was no coordinated effort on, on vaccination. It didn't seem, and um, but you know, things have kind of picked up. I know um, locally the health department um, every Tuesday is, uh, you know, giving, a, I think, a thousand vaccines, vaccinations um, every week. Yeah. And, 
you know, if that if that effort alone, I mean, that's without talking about what's going on at the Wicker Center or the hospital or other places that are vaccinating. I mean, you'll you'll have half of Lee County vaccinated by June, you know, the middle of the end of June. Um, having that in mind and knowing that there will be more vaccine available, um, you know, as the year progresses, um, it feels more like this is a possibility. I'm feeling a little bit more bullish about it. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there's going to be lots of stuff that happens between now and then, but for this week, it, it feels pretty good. And, and I feel like the, the numbers add up in a way that, you know, maybe we're going to be a lot closer than, than we had thought. I'm sure Gordon has, has comments or questions about who's coming, but I have one more question about logistics here. Uh, Tim, um, you've seen what a downtown concert in Sanford can look like. Um, you know, uh, you've had a lot of live music at your place, but then um, a couple years ago, we had Southern Culture on the skids here downtown, and uh, um, the name escapes me of the band you had the following year, but both of those, you know, really well attended, but it seemed like it was more of a, a local audience that was here for... Um, other things, you know, fireworks and things like that. How do you go about attracting people to come to Sanford for something like this? Because I imagine you're going to want to hit Raleigh and Chapel Hill and and those areas to to get people to to come here for that. And so, how are you going to reach out and and uh, get this promoted in in these outlying larger cities to get people to want to come to Sanford? I would, uh, I'm going to let Jeff handle the, do the heavy lifting on most of this. Um, I would say that, you know, it's a much different approach when you have somebody like Jeff, who's used to promoting, uh, these kind of events. Um, you know, he's already interviewed, uh, with WRAL, um, you know, and we're how many months out, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, we're starting a lot earlier. Um, look, we're talking with you guys and, um, your minds are already at, you know, on it and asking the right questions. Uh, and we're seven months out. So I think that's part of it is starting that steady drumbeat. Um, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting year because not a whole lot being talked about for events at the end of the year right now. No. Uh, we <laughs> occupy a very special and privileged space considering what could happen. Um, you know, so if this thing actually comes off, it, it could be you know, something really big because there's not been a lot of planning for other events this year. A lot, pretty much everything else gets canceled. Um, so that, that's my initial thought. I don't, you know, the how of how you do this, aside from plugging away with your, the, all the partnerships, you know, Jeff mentioned a whole bunch of other um, people who are going to be involved like food trucks and artists and so on. And um, all those people will be promoting as well. Um, but starting this early and getting, you know, getting people, people interested is is just so so huge i mean you have to you have just to start months in advance but i'm gonna be quiet because jeff is really the one who who's done this and is doing this well yeah well thanks tom the the number one thing is a community event so the support of the community is paramount for it to succeed and that's why we need to involve community uh organizations such as the chamber or the downtown business district and that to get the support of the community and, and know that, that that's welcomed and, and everybody's part of it as we bring business uh, businesses in to be sponsors and different things as well. But obviously we wanna draw from all, all over, especially the Triangle area. And we are gonna do TV and radio. Uh, I've already talked to Capital Broadcasting. Uh, we're gonna do a package with them that will amp up as we get closer and closer to uh, to the festival, so and not only that, we're and and I don't want to sound uh, arrogant or anything, but musicians know who we are. On the East Coast, uh, we get a lot of submissions for Texas Indie Fest. I mean, and we get a lot of bands that come out of New York and Pennsylvania and Carolina. People know who we are, so it's, there's going to be, and they know the production level that we put on. So they're they're going to be musicians coming from all over. You know, uh, a lot of our artists, we're gonna have some from Nashville. We're gonna have, I'm gonna have, I know a band from Delaware. Uh, a lot of those aren't announced, but I know in my mind who's gonna be there. We got bands coming from Florida 
and they're going to bring people with them. Uh, there's uh, people from Michigan that I know they're going to probably caravan there once once the band that I announced from Michigan uh, is is out there, they'll be making plans to have a caravan come to come to North Carolina for right. that. So it is going to bring music lovers and and uh, musicians from all over. What is the uh, what's the time frame for announcing um, new acts? I mean, I'm sure there are eyes that have to be crossed and T's that have to be dotted to before you can do that, but. Do you have a, a, a way that you're that you're going about announcing or is it just as you get confirmed you're making an announcement? Yeah, so right now I think we've announced six bands, something like that. But mm -hmm. the uh it'll be like a slow roll for a while. Every couple of weeks I'll throw someone up there. Uh, we still got a submission campaign running on Reverb Nation, which isn't done until mid-March. I'm going to select at least eight Reverb Nation artists, and that's how anybody uh, can submit and try, you know, and try to be a performing artist at the event. But as we get closer, it'll just keep amping up. Uh, we, I've already announced uh, uh, the Accidentals, and they're from Michigan, but that's not the band I was talking about, the Caravan. But the Accidentals are Sony artists; they're national artists. Uh, they're mm -hmm. going to win a Grammy someday. They're going to wow. win a Grammy someday, and they're. And they're coming to Sanford. Uh, we've got Paleface. Uh, Paleface, yeah. as you know, is a yeah. New York City icon. Uh, he's going to be there. Uh, they're going to be performing him and Mo. And uh, we've got a band out of Nashville called Willow Hill. Willow Hill is a, a country band, uh, but they have the and I'll and I'll you got I'll I'll bet you guys a beer right now. <laughs> they have the best female fronted band in the country. Yeah. Her vocals are incredible. Her name's Allie Naples. She's originally from Pittsburgh. She used to be in a, a national touring band called Love Betty out of Pittsburgh. You may or may not have heard of them, but uh, she was, they actually performed at our first three Texas Indie Fest. And that's how oh. I know a lot of these people is from South by. And uh, she's going to be phenomenal. She's going to just blow you guys away. And, uh, and then with uh, like the Cliff Wheeler band, Cliff, uh, mm -hmm being a he's local but he's he's more regional and he does tour around the country uh his band was just named the carolina music association's uh country vocal band of the year so there's there's people that are going to be recognized that will draw from other areas yeah so it'll be it'll be a mix of of, of big and small that which mm -hmm. it, it's just it seems like a really cool thing and like you said something for everybody um, yeah, when when we say independent artists, you know, that's pretty broad. I mean, that's that's pretty much anybody. But we like to think of the artists that we utilize as emerging independent artists. Right. So and if you, even if you don't know them now, you probably will in about a year or two. Yeah. And we had that discussion um, when we talked on the phone about, uh, you know, what it means to be a label anymore because the music industry has changed so much. So an independent artist could be, um, I'm trying to think of an example, but I know there are people who have gotten very famous releasing their own music. So independent doesn't necessarily mean what, what it might've used to. No, there's a lot of do it yourself now, mm -hmm. you know, and as a label, we're small and that's really just to support the, the small core of artists that we work with. We try to help them, uh, uh, build their base and uh, and expand. Our, our our goal is to help them, lift them up, and let them go. You know, that'll go on to bigger and better things. Uh, but the label isn't our our big direction. We've actually rebranded a little bit, and uh, the records Indiana Air Records is now a division of our company. Uh, we're really event evolved, and we're in talks all over the country for other events too. So that's how I'm again, where I'm comfortable is because I know the conversations we're having in Pennsylvania, in Delaware, in Michigan, and in New Jersey. I already know that. And we're, and these people want to do things and we're trying to put things together for them. So yeah. there's a lot of chatter right now. Um, this being not your first festival, but the first one in Sanford, I imagine you have some kind of an idea of, of the bar for a successful event, um, especially the successful event the first time in a specific place. What is that like in terms of, of, um, of, of draw and whatever other metrics you use for, to, for, for gauging success? S success. If we got people there and they're smiling, 
we're good. Uh-huh. You know? uh, so <laughs> that's how I look at it. Uh, Texas Indie Fest grew organically. You know, it's not like because South by Southwest was going on, there's this a constant flow of people, you know, and right. and people latched on to our event because the production was good and the talent was good. If you're going to put on a music event, you better have excellent sound. Otherwise, what's the point? Right. Um, so I think people are going to be surprised at the stage, at the, the production level. And, uh, and we are using a local guy f- as our production uh, contracted our contractor. I know him as Butterbean. I don't know if you guys know him or not. Uh, but that's how I've been. <laughs> yeah, that's it's... what I thought when he said that. I thought, wow, he has pivoted yeah. in his career. Say, did you say wrestler or boxer? <laughs> yeah, maybe he's both. I don't know. Yeah. But, but yeah, again, Cliff Wheeler hooked us up with him. And I'm actually, uh, I'm of the mindset I would like him to, instead of, uh, going out and renting stages, I would like him to build a stage that can be used in the community uh, year round. So right. wow. uh, a portable stage. So if I can convince him of that, uh, we'll do that. Uh, and otherwise, uh, but it's, it'll be nice. It'll be nice. One last thing I want to get into, and I don't think I've mentioned it uh, in this interview yet, but it is in the story. This is all uh, free for the, you know, for the consumer. Um First of all, that's really cool and something people should know. But how is it that you guys are able to put these events on and, and make them free for the uh, for the you know the person attending? We rely heavily on sponsorship dollars for free events. Mm-hmm. So uh, sponsorships, uh, we've got sponsorship packages, uh, and then a, a lot of things that we offer as far as a sponsorship are are probably unique in nature because we do a lot of. Uh, multimedia stuff ourselves. So uh, we do a lot of filming, a lot of video. Uh, we do just tons of radio. And uh, I think uh, there's there's a there's a good attraction in the package we offer. In fact, I'll make sure you guys get a copy of our yeah. EPK and our sponsorship package. Uh, so, you know, you have more info on everything, but uh, we rely on that. But also the, the tourism board, the tourism development board, uh, gave us a grant in Sanford. So every community is different uh, and every event's different. Some are ticketed, you know, then well, if that's the case, then we know we're making money off admissions and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this this is a little different because it's a community event. So we, we've got the, the core cost covered uh, via the grant and then sponsorship dollars will allow us to uh, to be where we need to be. And, and, and quite frankly, if I if I was to break even on a first year event, I'd be ecstatic. So yeah. uh, it doesn't. That's not our driving force. It's not a money grab. We want to go there and establish this over the course. Do this for the next ten years or so. You know. So it's something we want to develop. Very cool. Very cool. Well, yeah, and um, I just you know I'm, I'm sure I speak for a lot of people to say I sure the hell hope this happens because you know it would be great to to go back to outdoor events and music live music and just being around people and uh enjoying a beer and you know taking it all in uh yeah i i'm sure your artists are also kind of ready to go when it comes to touring and playing live shows again so if this can happen it's just going to be i think a, a just a phenomenal experience and so i'm rooting for you and uh you know best of luck i i hope the hell it happens <laughs> <laughs> i you know i think it, that's where everybody's at you know everybody's chomping at the bit uh because all we you know come on for the last year all we've been fed is doom and gloom and and it's like what the heck is going on and you know let's think about good happy things let's let's get past the negative and and look at the positive things in our life. Music brings everybody together. I mean, that's a common denominator in uniting people. So, you know, music and the arts and good food, good beer, nothing better. So I found out last night uh, we had a story in this edition that uh, 
um, the city council was going to vote on um, whether or not they were going to approve a 131 house uh, subdivision in West Sanford uh, bordering the Westlake Downs community, uh, the Brownstone neighborhood and uh, Southern Road, the houses along Southern Road. Um, I got word that they tabled it last night. Oh, really? Six to one vote. Yeah, that they tabled it and they pushed it back. Um, oh, shoot, I don't have the date in front of me, but if I remember correctly, let me bring this up real quick. They voted six to one to push it until February the 16th, which is just two weeks from now. Um, so uh, um, city council member and friend of the rant, Chaz Post, um, made the motion to to push it. So um, I want to I want to um, I want to think that, you know, perhaps they read the rant and they had questions and they just needed more time with this. But uh, not to give us any credit, I think it had a lot more to do with uh, the fact that they had dozens and dozens of people in the community who were against this, and they just needed more time to to go over it and you know see what their options are. But but yeah, we had a, a story in this edition, and um, uh, the city council, which was set to, like I said, either approve or or nix the idea last night, uh, instead decided to push the vote back by a couple of weeks. So that's where we're on that. You can go to rantnc.com to read the story. It's gotten a lot of comments on Facebook and uh, um, a lot of people pretty passionate and uh, um, either upset or for it. I, I think people that live in that area are upset by it. The people that um, seem to be pro neighborhood pro-construction are people that just want to see Sanford grow. And I understand both sides of that. And then you had some um, fence straddlers who were more or less um, talking about, you know, I'm not from that neighborhood, but if it doesn't look like that neighborhood and if it takes away from um, the feel of a community, then maybe they should reconsider it. So it's pretty interesting discussion that people are having about this right now. And, I think uh, that you're going to continue to see these discussions happen too in other parts of the, uh, of the county because you know, we have a housing shortage and from what I'm told, this is the way that developers are going now. That doesn't make it right or wrong, but you're going to see more of, uh, you know, these high density um, proposals pop up and it's going to be near existing housing. Um, I guess developers are able to get a better profit margin when they go high density like this. And yeah. so that's do the people way it's just being not done. build. Do people just not build um, neighborhoods where everybody gets a half acre, everybody gets a, <laughs> you know, a full front well, yard and there's maybe, you know, 80 feet in between houses is this just not happen anymore or? we we have neighborhoods like that but uh, yeah, i've rode through uh, west landing not long ago well, i'll build i'll build in the 80s and 70s and 90s and, no 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 and... west west landing's 90s but okay I, but i noticed relatively small lot sizes and i pulled up the county's gis map and there are a few larger lots in that neighborhood i'm don't get me wrong but i, I would say a majority of them were were just shy of half an acre um these are more like two and a half three houses per acre maybe more um so it is higher density than that but we do have some high density neighborhoods there's a carbonton cove off of carbonton road mm -hmm. and there's another community can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but it's off of franklin road um uh near chancellor's ridge chancellor's yeah. ridge yeah yeah those seem to be um, I hate to use the word luxury because not all these houses are like half a million dollar houses. Some of them, you know, are in the 250, 300, 350 range. And I'd hardly call that luxury these days, but, um, uh, unfortunately <laughs> that's not luxury these days. Those, I, if uh, I'm not mistaken, those are bigger houses on bigger lots, right? Yeah. That's what, that's what I was getting at, that those are still being built, but I think if people want the which i guess what you would call affordable you know upper 100s uh low to mid two hundred thousand dollar houses um this is what this is your 
this is your option right now because um, it's like you said, we're, we're building not um, people are, are, I mean, construction companies are building for profit and, um, and they're building in Sanford because there's a need for housing. And so it's just going to be tough for them to, um, to build anything that's not high density. That said, uh, I understand the argument. Um, people from Westlake Downs who um, you drive through that neighborhood. It's a very nice neighborhood, very, very nice houses, um, very large lot sizes. And um, when this is all said and done, you know, their backyards right now are wooded. When this is all said and done, there's going to be a creek. And on the other side, there are about three houses per, you know, lot size of their house. So if their backyard, which <laughs> is for one house, uh, behind them, you'll have three houses and three backyards in that same amount of space. And uh, um, you're looking at, I mean, again, it takes away from maybe the look and the feel of their community, but then you're also talking about um, traffic going through these neighborhoods. You're talking about uh, noise levels. You're talking about already that area of floods. So that, that can't be helping this any. Um, so yeah, I understand their argument. And when we wrote about Galvin's Ridge, I understood that argument too. But I also thought with Galvin's Ridge, um, uh, you're building a high density community out where there's not a whole lot out there except for industry. And, um, and they just didn't have, I guess, the group effort that uh, the Deep River community didn't have the group effort. I think that West Sanford is is building right now. And I saw some comments that said that, uh, of course, the city will um, vote against it because it's in their backyards. Well, our city council lives all over the city, all over the place. So um, I don't know if that's necessarily it or not, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. And we're going to see um, pivoting to the other story on housing, our cover story, which is about all these new apartments that are coming online. I think we're going to see some, um, I could see some concern from nearby residents for, you know, for some proposals. If, you know, if you have a, a neighborhood that's got these larger lots, you know, older houses, and somebody wants to put in a couple hundred apartments right by there, I could see the, the same sort of, um, the same sort of battle playing out, same sort of concerns, which again, I understand, but as is made clear in the story, I also understand that people need places to live and these, these apartments are going to, are going to provide that. So we're at an yeah, interesting I had to drive place. Around Sanford. I drove around Sanford to get photos for your apartment story. And uh, I haven't lived in an apartment in, I guess, since, well, when I first moved to Sanford, actually, we lived at the Oaks for um, six months, I guess, until we bought our house. And we just sold that house um, that we lived in for 13 years. And uh, we are currently still house hunting. So in the meantime, we're staying at, at a townhouse, which I guess is very similar to an apartment in that you're living right next to other people. Um, there are differences, though. You know, there's no stairs to climb. There's no <laughs> things like that. Uh, but I will say this, um, a couple things. Um, townhouses and apartments are a lot nicer than they were back when I was in college. <laughs> and uh, I know there were nice ones back then, too, but uh, they just seem to be um, built more for comfort than they were back then. And the ones that are going up in Sanford, I drove out to the... Um, to Ryder Downs, which is a fairly new apartment complex on Pendergrass Road. I drove out to uh, Falls Creek, which is over by um, Belk. And I guess that was built in the last 10 to 12 years. And then I drove out to the new apartments that are being built on Hawkins Avenue, um, where it um, where the bridge for uh, that goes over the bypass. And I don't know if those have a name yet, but uh they do it's um, all my that's... story but i can't remember it hawkins walk yeah hawkins walk it's... yeah it's named for the screaming jay hawkins album 
There's that no, went over there, everybody's. There, there, <laughs> okay. there, there's, there's no album called that. Not by okay. Hawkins, anyway. Um, these are all really nice places. I mean, they, yeah, they you know, look nice. Not, these are, these aren't slums. These are uh, these are nice places. And um, you say in your story that you know currently under construction, twelve hundred units. No, um, no, no, not 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 that many under construction. That's under construction, approved but not yet begun or even in review okay so it's still a lot that's, it's still I mean, that's a, lot, a lot, yeah. lot of people yeah and these are like i said these are nice so um i just I, you know it seems it seems to be a theme over the last year for everything we're writing about growth and about keeping up and and all that but uh people are looking at sanford because not only are these places nice but um they're a lot more affordable than living up in uh in Cary and Apex and, uh, and, you know, those Hawkins apartments are barely a 15 minute drive to Apex. So, um, if you don't mind the short commute, then why not? You save so much money in the long run doing that. So I think you were just going to get so much, so many of those people coming down here to live in these areas and, and, uh, that's why they're being built. Right. Just want to, uh, mention one other thing. Um, our normal rent delivery person was not available this month. So I, I handled all the delivery by myself and I just, that is not a fun job. So hats off to you. If you've, <laughs> if you've done, if you've delivered rants for us, we appreciate it. And um, you had to, um, I had to deliver just a, a few one month when you were doing the majority of them. And I said, I would grab a few and I did it. And I, I got to agree with you. I only did like four or five locations and um, it's just a lot of driving. It's a lot of lifting. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. That's all to say though. If, uh, if you are not currently a location that distributes the rent and are interested in becoming one, you can email me Gordon G O R D O N at rantnc.com and we will get you added to the list for March. You ever deliver papers? Other than I, what you're doing now? I never did. I remember being in about fifth grade and realizing that a paper route could um, make me some money, but I never followed through on it. When I was in high school, my dad was uh, working like three or four jobs. And on weekends, he took a a job delivering the Dallas morning news to some of the rural communities outside of Dallas. And, uh, and it was just Saturday, maybe it was just the Sunday paper. I don't know, but he got paid like a few, you know, hundred dollars a, a week or so to do it. And, uh, and of course he had, some, he had a teenage son, so he would wake me up at 4 AM. Yeah. On Sunday mornings. And we would drive to this little place and uh, we would wait. And the, you know, the truck would pull up the guy. I, I don't remember anything about it, but I like to imagine that he kind of looked like a New York gangster with the little, the little derby, not derby hat, but the little hat, you know, and, and the cigar out of his mouth and he would get out of the truck and he would throw us some bundles. And, and uh, so we would spend the next hour unbundling those papers and rolling them and putting them into the bags. If it was uh, raining that oh, yeah. day and uh all right, you know, maybe we did it even if it wasn't raining. I don't remember. Or no, if it wasn't raining, we would uh, we would rubber band them. And so that took about an hour. And then we would drive to, you know, 500, 600 houses and, and throw papers into the driveway. And I got to tell you, I hated every minute of it. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I liked, you know, spending the time with my dad and whatever. But uh, but I hated every minute of it. You get so much ink on you. Um just uh you know the exhaustion when you're done it's like 8 a.m and you've already done a full day's work and uh yeah it's just a, it's a memory that'll never go away but i will say one of the things um one day he said here i, I like i couldn't wake up and he said here take one of these caffeine pills <laughs> <laughs> and i said okay <laughs> and i did and don't tell your um, mom <laughs> yeah um not only did it not only did it like give me these you know this anxiety throughout the day that somebody was following it, it was the weirdest thing 
but it also just totally ripped up my stomach and and uh i would never maybe i took it on an empty stomach but whatever i would never recommend taking caffeine pills for anything (laughs) and he did it every he did it every week for that more power to him not having not having the best time delivering these papers here son try these drugs well, that's okay. Back then, I heard caffeine pill, and I thought, okay, <laughs> caffeine, you know, that's what's in sodas and whatever. But uh, yeah, that's not something I would give my kids. No. I question okay. his parenting. It was, a, it was a different time, wasn't it? <laughs> well, when that looked <laughs> I, I have a lot of questions for him one yeah. day. I'll probably wait till his deathbed and, and ask him about the caffeine pills and and the other things but uh but yeah good memories and yeah my hat's off to all you paper delivery people out there although we don't really have that in sanford anymore aside from the rant do we no uh, postal work the the herald's mailed now yeah Mm. i guess somebody still has to get them into the places where they do single copy sales did you ever hang out at the herald um late at night when i mean it had to be really late like some nights Remember back in the days before we had deadlines and it was like, you know, you, you, you could be done with the paper at midnight and and I would be there and it would just be like me and Don Bailey still in the building. And and then I would uh, I would send the proofs down to the press and then they would print it. And there were very rarely like one or one or two times that I actually stuck around while they printed it and did all that stuff. But there, you know, while everybody's asleep, 1 a.m. to 2 a.m., you got this loud press running. You got all these people huddled around who are folding papers, putting in inserts, and putting them in bags if it's raining that day. And uh, just the operation alone was impressive. And uh, um, yeah, I never got to see that. The one of the only times I went down there was when the um, jackets blow it out. The ass headline ended up on the front page, and. Um, my day started a little late. I, I must have had something to cover at night. So I came in around 10 or 11 and heard about it. And by then, you know, it had been cut out of all the uh, all the additions that we had in, in the front office. And I was scrambling to find one. So I went down in the uh, I went down in the basement and um, there were still some copies. Um, and uh, I have it to this. Oh, day. wait. I, I didn't have my screen up. Were you just showing it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody's. Well, we, I think anybody's watching this, but yeah, yeah you're holding up the jackets blowed out the ass thing. Um, yeah, I, uh, just to, um, I know we got to go, but uh, um, for people who are unfamiliar, what year was that? January twenty second, two thousand three. Oh, we just passed the the eight year anniversary of that, or no, the eighteen year anniversary yeah. of that. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a joke headline that uh, I guess the designer, who was also the editor at the time, wrote at the top of the. It was in the biz. In the biz, we call it a placeholder, which you never do because I got caught doing that once too. When I, um, it was my very last paper at the Sanford Herald. I had a placeholder headline that said, "For John Owen's um, business page," and I had it there for months, or you know, for a long time. But a placeholder headline is just there because you want to keep the font, you want to keep the size. Usually you just put X's there or something. And a lot of papers you'll see just X headlines, and that's why. It's because it's just a placeholder. But my placeholder headline was put John's boring headline here, <laughs> which, uh, you know, was a funny little in-joke. And and uh, my very last paper of the Herald that got printed was place John's boring headline here. And uh, Maybe that's why you so it happens. party. Yeah, maybe that's why I didn't get it. I think it was for other reasons. <laughs> but uh, but so the the jackets blow it out the ass thing. That was a placeholder headline, and um, he 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 left it there, and then it went to press. And so, what I wanted to ask you though is, do you think it was handled? Do you think it would be handled differently today? Like, like if the rant did that, and we you know our little thing at the top of our page where it says. Um, like this this month has said great for morale or free to a good home or things like that what if we had something offensive up there 
and like offensive today is different from offensive back then, but let's just say it said jackets blowed out the ass. Would we have handled that the same calling all cars to, to, to our paper and having everybody go out and retrieve those papers and cut out that headline and all that work? Or would we just kind of shrug our shoulders and say, eh, write an apology the next day and be done with it? Do you think it was handled? Do you think mm. it was overblown the way it was handled then? Or do you think, no, because it, do you think it was deserved the, uh, the effort that went into trying to conceal that? There was an awful lot of pearl clutching that day, but I remembered that an awful lot of other people really laughed it off. Right. I mean, it happens, you know, <laughs> and and if you had this, there are people that would be upset, right? Mm-hmm. But if the school district called me that day, if I was the editor and the school district called me, like I would explain it was a placeholder joke headline. It accidentally ran. We're sorry. And that's it. You know, it's not. I recall a more outrage when I wrote a story about there was a, a, a beloved guy here in town who played Santa Claus and he died. And I wrote a story about his passing and they put a picture of him in full Santa Claus garb on the front page of the newspaper. So kids all over town saw the headline Santa oh. Claus dies. <laughs> We yeah, got a lot of you calls. You never told on me that about one. that. I just, I, I just remembered that. it. I'd love to find that. Yeah, that one generated wow. a, a lot of. Um, and then um, I can remember. Did the headline really say that was it like beloved Santa Claus or something? It was something like San, San, Sanford Santa Claus dies or something. Oh man! Yeah, <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Claus dead in boating accident. I don't uh, think it was around Christmas time either. <laughs> Christmas over. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, around the same time, there was some some kind of scandal with uh, Miss North Carolina. I think that we uh, had a, um, in fact, that was the, the song, the Dr. Powerful song, Old, New, Little Yellow, Different, was, was sort of about that whole situation because I thought it was sort of funny that there was... Um, a, a Miss North Carolina who it turned out had had some private topless photos taken. And so they, they took her crown and gave it to another. And for some reason there was a wire story about these two women that had been Miss North Carolina in the same year. And they were like beach photos, bathing suit photos, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was very classy, but we got a lot of angry calls that day for putting women in bathing suits on the front page of the paper. Ah, different times. I remember, Mm -hmm. uh, did you write the obituary on a guy or did I, I think I did when, uh, I went around or maybe you went around to find out more about him and he was a known figure here. He was, uh, um, maybe had a few things named after him, whatever, but the only quotes we could get were for people that said he was a real bastard. (laughs) No, so I don't remember this at all. Yeah. This is me. Then I guess I'm the one who wrote it. So, so the story was basically this guy died and um, the few people that I could find that remembered him say, yeah, he was important, but he was a real jerk or he was a real <laughs> bastard or he was real this and that. And I got, I got murdered over that. Story why would you put, why wouldn't you just include the, yeah, he was real important part of the quote and not the, I'm glad he's dead part. Well, I don't know because, you know, I had a lot of, I, I went to, uh, you know, then publisher Bill Horner and I said, this is, I talked to like three people and everybody says that this guy was a real jerk. And uh, if you want this story, this is the story. And to Bill's credit, he said, this is what they said about him. Run with it. And then, uh, um, yeah. When I got all the calls the next day, I just said, hey, my boss told me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't say that. But yeah, oh, I wish where, I could remember. Where were all those people yesterday when you couldn't find anything to find anybody to say something nice about him? Exactly. Well, I, I really wish I could remember who this guy was. I would go find that story. And and uh, yeah, it, I mean, he was like a very shrewd business person or something. And I guess he he screwed over a lot of people or something like that. 
I, I can't remember the details, but uh, and I, I remember his picture. He wasn't very nice looking in the picture. Just <laughs> kind of a grump. So um, yeah. Well, well, good times.